Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunson Bugle, the number one place to get your Kylinite fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. I'm Adam Siffin. And I'm Mike Booth. The piatic ownership begins at Brunton Park and United kick off the new era with a battling point against Charlton in front of over 10,000 fans. We look back on the draw against the Addicts before looking ahead to the long midweek trip to Berkshire to face Reading. I don't know about you guys, but I still have to sort of pinch myself after this weekend and like try and convince myself it's real and the takeover that we've kind of all been hoping for, dreaming for, for so many years has actually happened. I mean, Adam, it's the yeah. first time we've had you on since then. I mean, what what's your initial thoughts after last week? Yeah, well, one of the weirdest things is just adjusting to somebody with an American accent talking about Carlisle in that uh, yeah. that manner. Obviously, usually it's just... So getting used to that and just their sort of... Uh, obviously, because they're used to American sports and the sort of lingo mm. for things a little bit different. So it's just going to be getting used to that. But obviously, yeah, it's, it's really exciting. Um, and you can immediately see the impact they're making. And as they have been doing for many months, they're making the right noises. Yeah, you say about the lingo there, it's funny, that was some Barrow fans uh, having a bit of a hissy fit, weren't they, on Twitter about um, them using the phrase, pack the house, or something? Yeah, all that sort of stuff. It's like, yeah. And the Carly United (laughs) Football Club. Yeah. One of of the ones that I noticed. I also noticed that Jenna, bless her, she was doing an interview with what was um, CFM, I think. Great hits, isn't it, I think it's called now, yeah. Yeah, and called, and was doing like a sort of this or that. And was mm. asked about whether she'd have one of the Jacksonville Jaguars players or Jordan Gibson, obviously nicknamed Gibbo, but she called him Gibby, which I thought was <laughs> quite a fun. I was like, oh, bless her. Um, but yeah, <laughs> well, it's been great. I've got, I've got to pull up uh, Greatest Hits Radio because they've stole my idea of uh, doing a little test. Well, in fact, our idea, wasn't it, Mike, of doing a little test with them on, yeah. uh, on the Cumbrian words? And they've already done it with Jenna, so that's a bit annoying, really. But we'll do it with, we're going to get the two Toms on at some point, at the very least, maybe a couple of viewers as well. But more on that later. But yeah, um, it was certainly a momentous day at Brunton Park on Saturday. And we'll be going through that shortly. Obviously, we'll be looking ahead to the Reading game as well, um, which is a really big game now when you look right down at the bottom of the league. Um, before we get started, of course, I've got to remind you, as usual, our sponsors this season are the Kyanite Sports Club London Branch. London Branch have got members across the world, so you don't have to just be in the southeast um, and London to join them. I'd list a load of places, but I always end up getting caught up and not being able to remember half the names of places so just just imagine anywhere in the world pretty much you, and you can join if you live in pyongyang you can join probably well maybe not there possibly I don't no, know, but, maybe uh, not there no maybe not <laughs> um but yeah so yeah they do a lot of great stuff for the club in terms of fundraising and uh you know arranging tickets for away games and travel and stuff like that so if you want to find out more about them go to their website carlolondonbunch.org uh we haven't got a question this week because we've got too much to fit in um well should we start? Well, I'll start off with the the, the first new signing of the uh, Piatic era. This this broke after we recorded last week, unfortunately, because we were we had to record a little bit earlier. And um, yeah, there's been ongoing issues at right back for a while now, hasn't there, Adam? In terms of Finn back, just can't rely on his fitness a little bit. And it's similar with Jack Ellis at the moment. And Simo's uh, made a right back his first signing, Josh Emmanuel. 
yeah, like you said, with the right backs, it's also been inconsistency in, in performance as well because Finn Bach's mm. just not quite been up to the same level, whether that's because of obviously the change in leagues or, or what. He's just not quite been, or had that sort of same aura that he had on the right-hand side last year. But Josh Manuel, I didn't, I wasn't expecting to sign him personally. I think maybe you two had some sort of inkling that something was going to be happening. I wasn't as in the know with it. But once I started looking into to who he was, I was immediately impressed. Yeah, his name was sort of briefly mentioned, I think, the week before, wasn't it, Mike, if I remember rightly, one of the chats mm. we were involved in. But I don't think anyone particularly thought it was concrete. And it was sort of one of those ones where or people had just thrown a name out there, maybe, was the thought. But actually, as it turns out, he, he was the one they're after. And yeah, he's an interesting one, isn't he? I mean, there's, there's a whole City fan that I'm, I've been friends with for years and someone else is a bit close friend with me. He asked him about uh, Emmanuel and he said he's a championship level player if you can get him fit and back to the level he was at. When, when he was with them because he had quite a um, quite a horrible illness or injury, didn't he? I think that it ruled him out for about a year. I think it was a blood clot in, mm. in training and he collapsed. So he had about a year out and he was, obviously had his spell at Grimsby at the end of last season, which didn't quite work out. Nearly signed for Peter in the summer, which tells you the level of player he is. As it is, we've, we've got ourselves lucky. And, I mean, you obviously weren't at the game at the weekend, Mike, but we'll talk about his performance later, but Initial signs are that fitness-wise, there's not really going to be a major issue there, is there? No, exactly. And I think he's only going to get better as he gets fitter. I think he, he did well to uh, play as long as he did. I think Simo said before the game he was going to give him 60 minutes, but he, he felt like he was all right to carry on. Um, yeah. And yeah, hopefully he wasn't sort of too stiff this week and he's he's good to go again against Reading. It kind of feels, Adam, like... Previously, when we were looking some some sort of player in that role to fill in, we probably wouldn't have been able to get a player of the calibre of Josh, would we, I think? And this kind of feels like this is the first sign of that step change budget that's been talked about a lot. Yeah, but I don't even think it's necessarily 100% down to the budget as well. I think mm. it's also just players will see what's... I mean, obviously, the budget comes into yeah. it, but they can see what's happening and what's going to happen so then money maybe becomes a bit less for factor. They're actually excited and wanting to come rather than just, oh, these are offering us the best wage. I'll go mm. there. So I think that's probably part of it as well. Um, but you could see from the, what was it, 70 minutes he played, he just, he's got the quality to be at this level, if not higher. He played I, th- I think... Of... Sorry, go on, Mike. Well, I was just going to say, I think for me, the power dynamic of these sorts of transfers, like because we've done it before, uh, off the top of my head, I can think of players... That we had like Geffen Jones a few years ago, and players mm. like that would sort of come in short term, try and put themselves in the shop window, and get a move to somewhere other than Carlisle. But I feel like now these players, you've got a chance to impress us because this club's going to go places and yeah. Yeah. be a part of it. You know, if you I, impress, I think the suggestion is if he can prove his fitness over the next couple of months, they'd probably look to extend it a bit further, wouldn't they? Mm. So potentially quite an exciting signing there. And like I said, he, he, decent debuts. We'll talk about in a minute. Um, one of a bit of news before we talk about the Piatic's first press conference. Um, Blackpool tickets have gone on sale uh, today. We're recording on Monday evening. Already sold, I think, about 1,700-ish. And there's only about 150 tickets left. So there's every chance by the time you're listening to this, they're, they're sold out. So incredible effort. I don't think we're going to get any more, sadly, which is a shame. But just the way Blackpool do it at the moment, unfortunately. Um, well, let's talk about the Piatic's then and the takeover, obviously. And... I suppose there's a chance to talk about Saturday a little bit in a minute um, in terms of what it was like there down at the ground. But some of the stuff they said, they had their uh, media uh, event, I suppose if you call it that, with the uh, 
local media and some of the national media, Sky Sports News, were there this morning. Um, you, you had a good listen to this earlier, Mike. Um, some interesting stuff come out of it, hasn't there? Yeah, he um, he sort of seemed to be quite uh, clear with his plans. He kind of touched on um, that he was going to... They wanted to sort of sort the Warwick Road end out first and then sort of move on to the East Stand and putting in hospitality suites and stuff like that. But one of the things he mentioned that I found quite interesting was he wanted to kind of sort the acoustics out in the Warwick, mm. which is something that we've kind of said needs doing for years, but we've never really had the the kind of means to actually do it. And I, I can't imagine it's a, a cheap and easy thing to sort out, but yeah, it's uh, it's good news. It's one of those ones, isn't it? It's we've talked about it for years, but the, the cost of doing it has always been like, is it really worth doing it for them when mm. that money could be spent on the, the, the playing side of it? Mm. I imagine that. Like, I'm, I'm very much simplifying it. It's a, it's a case of putting something flat in the bit of the roof, isn't it? So it's basically a flat roof inside with the triangle roof on top of it, mm. um, and that way that the sound actually goes out onto the pitch because then they're noisy, and when it really gets up, you can hear it, but. Mm. Like I said, a lot of the time that noise gets lost because it goes straight up into the into the roof, doesn't it? You know, you mm. lift your head up, you shout it up, and it goes straight up, straight up into the air. So that's a really good start. Um, but yeah, in terms of the facilities around around the ground, it sounds like they're going to improve stuff like that. I think I'm not sure you're quite going to get your piss wall three thousand yet, Mike, for the Warwick Road. No, not but, yet. <laughs> but, but but the dream the dream lives. I still haven't got a clue what you mean by that. But the the, the dream lives on. Um, <laughs> the mind boggles. It, it's, you don't even want to ask. Um, <laughs> the some interesting stuff in terms of um, improving stuff, sort of to help the rather than the fan side of it, to help the plane side, Adam. And one revelation is that that they've already paid to access Statbomb or Statsbomb, which seems to be quite a useful facility in terms of recruiting players, doesn't it? Yeah, it's something that some people might look at and go, "It's a bit sort of hipster." If I don't know if that's maybe the right word, but. You know, some people might like traditional old school, go and watch them, see what they're like, rather than just looking at stats. Um, but it's, it, you see from clubs like Brighton, Luton, Bournemouth, who have all rose up the levels, yeah. they use this method mm. and it works. And if you get people in to do it effectively, and one thing that I think has been quite interesting from what they were saying today is that they're usually when an owner comes in, they'll appoint their people to sort of run it because they're probably not the best mm. people to overlook it, whereas they want to actually learn it and then bring in someone, which I thought was quite interesting because it usually happens the other way around. But, yeah, I like that they're immediately putting their, their mark down on things and you can see and hear it as well. They're evident in terms of what they want to do. Um, but, yeah, something like that is just a little thing, but it should help a lot, especially with... Uh, Greg Abbott being sort of the head of head of recruitment, just giving a bit of help, and especially when they bring in the person to sort of go through those numbers eventually. Yeah, because the one thing they're looking at is not because obviously at the moment I think Jake Blaine's having to do a lot of work in terms of not just match analysis stuff, which he does really, really good job on, but also recruitment analysis and then stuff for the academy as well. And I think the idea is get more people in to do those jobs so Jake can concentrate on the match day stuff and the you know the match analysis. You can have someone there doing the uh, the analysis of potential signings instead then, and that just takes a little bit of pressure off him. Um, training ground-wise, Mike, uh, it, it seems very clear that work's already started in trying to, to locate a, a possible site. Um, Tom was uh, keen to make a point of the fact that he's, the council have got on board straight away, which is which is nice to see because they haven't done that for quite a while. I know it's a new council now, isn't it, Cumberland mm. Council, so maybe that's where there's a little bit of a difference there, but... Um, 
But yeah, it sounds like straight away they're already said like, right, let's let's try and get something sorted. And then there's a lot of talk of there's a lot of land around the Ring Road, the the new Southern Access Road that's being built, sort of from mm-hmm. um, Wigton Road down to um, the M6. So potential opportunities there. And I think they said initially the plan is to find a sort of temporary facilities to use that already exist. But then looking at a twenty to twenty five acre site, that, that that's got to be a real positive for the club, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think he sort of touched in other interviews that he kind of wants the academy and everything all in one place, mm-hmm. and he wants like youth lads to sort of see the first team and think like, I want that, I want that to be me one day, and have it all in one building, all in all in one place. Um, but yeah, it's good that you know they're trying to find a short term fix for the issues now, you know, and then have the long term fix. Hopefully, he said in about twenty four months or so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, you know, two years' time, we could be in the championship by then, and think of the players you'd be bringing in. I mean, I'm getting a bit ahead of myself there, but, you know, it's a, you've got a dream, haven't you? Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's great news. And Simo, to be fair, has made that point, hasn't he, about wanting a facility that's separate from Brunton Park so the players can train there during the week, and that is their focus during the week, isn't it? And, mm. you know, come match day at Brunton Park is where they want to be. And um, that kind of brings us on a bit, Adam, doesn't it? The fact that it sounds like the plans for the... Other bits of the ground outside of the work road, and they're going to be moving a lot of the um, sort of uh, commercial facilities and um, you know executive boxes that kind of thing over to the east stand, yeah. and sort of setting up Brunton Park underneath the main stand has been more for the players on a match day, isn't it? Yeah, well, it was interesting when I was in the queue for tickets today. The guy who stood in front of me because they were going back and forth between the little mm. office area that's next to the ticket office, and he just went, "That's just a wasted room, isn't it?" And they're like. Uh, later listen to the um, what they were saying about moving and using that space that's already there mm-hmm. and then the free freeing up space over on the other side to then improve it for the for the players was was quite interesting but from I mean I've played it and used the uh, all the facilities at Brunton Park once and I can only imagine if you're a player there every day and that's your job like it isn't necessarily yeah. the best place so I can 100% see why they want that to be a thing because, you know, even if you're not there all the time, just even on a match day, just having it as a, a nicer place for you to be, it, it should just make things a lot better. Yeah, that's the hope, isn't it? Um, one of the other points that was sort of emerged, I think before this, but also was touched on again at the meeting, was that how the pure pay debt was uh, dealt with. Um, and it was, as we sort of predicted, Castle, Sport, Castle Sports Group basically bought it out, didn't they? They took yeah. ownership of that debt. So that essentially they own it now. So the club owes to Castle Sports Group, and Tom has basically revealed straight away that there's no more interest payments on that. That's, that's been stopped. The debt is basically just going to sit there while they work out how to deal with it in the most tax efficient way. That said, he was not overly complimentary, but in a very polite way about <laughs> um, pure pay. We can be slightly less complimentary. One, and I can say I think they're a bunch of. C- I will bleep that bit out, so no, no one's going to hear that. But um, you can try and guess what the word was. But yeah, it, it, it basically, pure pay didn't want to play, did they? Adam, by the sound of things, and no, yeah, it, it, it's interesting that some some fans might have seen a, a, a banner has been put up outside Edward Waller Mills uh, facility in Kingstown, isn't it? That. Yes, it's, I, uh, I think it was. Uh, I think it says "pure pay, pure shan." Oh yes, a, actually, no, I did see it. Yeah, Philip Day in a clown suit. I think it was. I didn't know uh, if that was who from had a, nothing to do with pure ago. pay. No, no, he's got nothing to do with pure pay. Sorry, I should say that. Let me let me make this very clear. Edible Woolamill has nothing to do with pure pay. Okay, 
But a lot of legal reasons. Let, let's 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 say let's talk about pure pay now. So let's put that to one side. I don't know why anyone yeah. put that ban off. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so talking about pure pay is like it's just just ridiculous, isn't it? They could have they could have yeah. done a favour there by reducing the debt slightly in the final payment. But hey, hey. well, even for because what Tom was saying about it, I don't know the specifics of what he, he meant, but using some of that debt towards improving the. Um, the clubs, I don't know how logistically that would have worked, but they just, as you said, they weren't playing ball at all, they just wanted their money um, so, yeah, f*** them Yeah, exactly Like genuinely, like the, the way they've behaved throughout this, I really couldn't care less about them knowing and it, I know Pure Pay have got absolutely nothing to do with Edinburgh Wollamill, I'll repeat that again but I hope they take. I hope they take that monkey carpet up in Foxy's as soon as possible, the Edinburgh Wollamill ones it's, it's rotten I'm frankly sick of it, so get rid of that. Take any reference to them down from me. I don't really care about them anymore. You know that that's one local employer. I quite happily would have never sponsors again. But there you go. Um, right, I think we pretty much covered it. There's anything else that we said in there, Mike, that you can think of? Adam, you know, I'm trying to think of top of my head. Um, no, I don't think so. Can't. No, I can't think of anything. Yeah, it's just going to be interesting to see how they, like you said, he was saying about tax efficient. Yeah. way of dealing with the the debt obviously it's not been been paid off but the yeah. one thing he did stress was obviously that it will not be like they're not going to be expecting a repayment nah. from Carlo nah. in the future yeah. which is nah. a big point so i think the debt situation maybe isn't as good as maybe we would have hoped where they've just come in and literally just paid it off but it's much better than it was but i mean it effectively is paid off isn't it essentially they're just trying to work out yeah. the best way to do it so they can save money on tax or something like that essentially which i think is similar to what happened with when fred's story paid off so you can sort of see what they're doing there mm. one other thing actually i forgot to mention there they they, they did make, make a point about the fact that they are looking for places to live over in cumbria aren't they basically so they've got a house over here so when they spend long periods here they've got somewhere to stay yeah not just makes living sense. In hotels so yeah that's yeah. something actually as well that he touched on with the new training facility is that i think he kind of wants residential facilities on site mm. as well for players yeah he um, said about it which, being we said about the houses being like in and around the area also having the new training stuff being oh or maybe it was the temporary thing he was talking about being of use to the community as well which is obviously where the council comes into it and it works yeah. both ways yeah, be really good if we can get all that sorted. Fantastic. Right, uh, that's enough for the news section. Let's move on to uh, talking about the weekend's game. Uh, Cal United 1, Charlton Athletic 1. Um, yeah, another one of those sort of games where we there's a little bit of huff and puffing going forward, but there was plenty of spirit there, wasn't there, Adam, in terms of the performance? And I think in the end, we probably deserved the point that we got out of the game. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say we were... They're equal. I think yeah. they have a very, very good squad. Um, and, you know, if things had dropped slightly differently off Thomas Holy didn't make a few good saves, then we'd be, you know, talking about that first game of the Piatak era. Or Piatak, sorry. I'm going to keep getting that wrong. Um, <laughs> it could have been talked about in a much worse light, but obviously we've come away uh, with, a, with a draw. And that's the thing. In these sorts of games... Like the Peterboroughs, Wiggins, Charltons, especially at home, just stay in them as long as possible. And then if something drops for you, then brilliant. But you don't want to be 2 3 nil down at half time because then you're just completely yeah. done for. You just don't have the quality to get back into it. So, And I think there were some good in- in-game adjustments. I will say I was not happy with the starting 11. No, I was, I was a little bit surprised with it. Um, 
I was particularly surprised with plans starting again, but look, mm. Simo clearly sees something in him and, and clearly likes Ladden. Not having two up there, I guess maybe he's giving himself the options to make the changes then, because if he starts with the two, you've, you're very limited in what you can do from that point going forward. Um, and obviously Terry Oblade, we'll, we'll get onto the team news now actually in terms of what happened. Um, obviously Emmanuel came to the style lineup, which we all expected, but the, the surprise one was... Corey Whelan coming into the style for his first start of the season. I'll talk about his performance later because I thought he did pretty well, to be fair. Um, we're missing off the Alfie and Joe Garn obviously joined him into, with a one-game ban. But the other big one was uh, Terry Blade, who's unfortunately about to the end of February now. And it's one of those ones where I know he's on a season-long loan. I feel for that because I've, I've heard this week from someone was telling me that apparently Summer's really impressed with him and his attitude and said he's a really good character around the club and he, he's always wanting to learn in terms of improving himself and how can I get into the start 11, that kind of thing. I suspect he might end up going back in January, might he? No, Mike, because can we really afford to have him out for that long when you've then only got him for two months at the end of the season? No, probably not. And that sort of takes up a loanee space where you could get another loanee in, in January who's going to be fit. Because obviously, you know, he's out till February, but then it'll probably take him a while to get up to speed again. So, yeah, um, might be better using that loan spot for, for someone else, I think. And something that we were always terrified of when we were in League Two is that if you've got a good loanee, they often, it seems to be all the hype now, doesn't it, where they get recalled to the parent club and then sent out to someone in League One. Well, mm. maybe we can be that League One club now who takes yeah. a loanee that's doing well elsewhere. God, I hope so. I mean, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Because, I mean, I, at the moment when I look at it, I, I suspect that only Coyote might still be here come the end of January, maybe back mm. at a push. But obviously, back's not back till the end of January as well, so... It could be one where literally we have four spaces freed up for, for low knees come January. I, I can't see plan staying personally if we're looking at a higher no. level player. No, not at all. But, um, I'd be surprised yeah. if Finn went back. Um, pardon the yeah. pun. But, um, yeah. It, but just because of Emmanuel's... I mean, obviously we've not seen uh, anything to suggest necessarily he's injury prone but just because he had such a long layoff and do you really want to only rely on Jack Ellis who's equally as unreliable when it comes to availability so yeah but yeah. I, there's some good strikers on loan in League 2 from Premier League clubs there's one lad from Burnley who's on loan at Morecambe who yes, I can't remember Mellon. the name of his name, yes yeah Mellon, Mellon. is he Mickey uh, Mellon's son? I don't know he could be though because I think he's talking, Scottish um, probably that many melons. About. Yeah. Well, in Morecambe, there's quite a few. Well, um, his, name's, <laughs> his name's Michael Mellon. He's got nine goals in 16 games. Uh, and his father is Mickey Mellon. Mm, so there you yeah. go. He's, he's now manager of Oldham. So, uh, so yeah, no, I, I could see him. I mean, he, he had eight games on loan at the end of last season with Morecambe, and he didn't score in those. And now he's suddenly scoring for fun, isn't he? League yeah. level. So maybe... Yeah, but you're right, a bit of confidence for him, and he, he could be a decent signing, potentially, I suppose, in that sense. He's definitely one... He's one that one of my mates mentioned a while back, and I, we both said, yeah, actually, he would be a good signing. So I, I don't think you're the only one with that view there, Adam, so it might, might well be one we, we'd look at in January. Um, Hopefully. On to the game, then. Um, it's interesting. I watch back, the, I always back, watch back the extended highlights to try and pick out the key chances. And actually, in the first half, we had some... We probably had better chances than them. In a weird way, it was a strange one because um, it kind of felt like they were dominated a lot the first half. But actually, in terms of chances, we had some really good ones. I mean, Mellish in particular, going forward, I thought was really effective um, in, atta- in the attacking areas, especially. Um, 
there was one where uh, he sort of got on a good attack down the left and uh, picked out Gibson and set up Mel- uh, Moxon, sorry, who hit a shot straight over the bar. But then up the other end, what were you thinking, Adam, when <laughs> that shot went in from Blackett Taylor that hit the bar? Because, my God, he hit that hard, didn't he? Yeah, what well, he's ridiculously good. I think he's, yeah. when I was looking through just sort of the stats from League One on the analyst, I think he's top for progressive carries, carries ending in a shot, carries ending in a goal, um, all that sort of stuff. He's a dangerous player. So I think that's probably for people who may be questioning Emmanuel's defensive abilities. It's a very, very hard test to get first up, especially when you've not played football properly yeah. in a good few months. Um, but yeah, they've, they've got a very talented squad. I mean, Alfie May, luckily for us, had an absolute stinker. Um, yeah, it wasn't quite as good as yeah. it. I mean, it's an interesting one. In terms of Emmanuel, he did actually play quite big chunk of the game almost as a right winger, didn't he, rather than a, a yeah, right back. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's harder to judge his performance defensively. Um, yeah, Alfie May's an interesting one because like, I, I expected a bit more from him. I still think he looks, his movement's very good. You can see that straight away. He, he, he gets into really good areas. But they were playing him as a right winger and it kind of like, thinking, I didn't get that. down the middle? It was a strange one, wasn't it? No, I didn't get that. that. Especially with Lee Byrne, who um, for, I don't know if you know this, but he's younger than me, mm. which is just rude. He's that big and Huge, that good he? on the ball. But he's good on the ball as well. He's got he, a bit of composure. He must be about six foot seven because he didn't look that much smaller than Holy when he was stood next to him. Holy is bigger, you can see that, but there wasn't a huge difference between the two of them. Yeah, um, but I didn't get why May was playing off the... I don't know about you, Mike, what you thought of why May was playing on the, the right-hand side. I, I don't know if they maybe tried to sort of second-guess our tactics a bit and maybe thought, oh, well, they like to play John Mellish in the, on the left of the three. Maybe he'll be bombing forwards and we'll get a bit mm. of joy yeah. out of that, maybe. I don't know, but... Um, I think our uh, lineup caught our fans off guard, so it probably caught Charlton off guard <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah, you'd, you'd think so, wouldn't you? A um, couple of uh, decent moments uh, as well in attack in the first half for United. Um, one in particular, um, from Mellish winning the ball back on the edge of the box and Gibson hit a shot just wide. And then a great bit of pressing, actually, a combination of Mellish and Plange to win the ball. Uh, that sent Gibson away and he, he turned well in the box and hit a shot that was saved. And then... Armour sent a ball into the box and plunge it. He just had to stretch back with his header, didn't he really, Adam? He was never really going to get much power. Yeah. It was pretty yeah, easy to keeper. But um, into the second half, Blackett Taylor had an early chance that uh, Holy did manage to claim at the second attempt. And then the goal, it's kind of one of the first times this season, because we've, we've said a lot this season, haven't we, how goals have been avoidable and we've made mistakes and stuff like that. But this was just a bit of good play, would you say, from um, Charlton, Adam? Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I would criticise is I think it's partly because he's so used to playing a back five. Jack Armour Mm. can get sucked out quite easily, which obviously leaves a lot of space in behind and at that point has gone to a back four. So that's the only thing I'd say is in that position when you've got, when the ball's been turned over to the other side so quickly and there's a bit of an overload, that's not the moment to go out and try and, you know, win the ball back. You just need to hold your shape. But... It's a good move still. I can't that that's yeah. been quite critical. Um but yeah, it's a yeah. it's a goal that a team like that can produce and it's one of those ones where you, there wasn't really any sort of harsh reactions from anybody around me to be fair, yeah. which sort of tells a story. Yeah. It's one of those ones, um whoever it was at the far post as well. I don't want to say they got caught flat footed because Blackett Taylor just came from out of nowhere at full pelt, didn't he? And, and smacked it in the back of the net. So they're horrible re- to deal with them crosses oh, as well, yeah, though. Like yeah. even if you get in the way, you might be knocking it into your own net. Yeah, it's it's not an ideal one. 
up the other end, though, United's equaliser, sort of similar fashion, wasn't it, Mike, in that sense, in mm. that it was a good uh, move down the, the left, um, Armour initially to Gibson, and then Gibson advanced forward, got a little bit of luck with the, the ball to Armour, taking a deflection off the defender. If he got at the other side of the defender, he would have been in anyway, to be fair. Um, uh, got his head up, Jack, and picked up Lavelle with a great pass, and touching a finish, wasn't it? <laughs> it's fair to say, Mike, great little finish from the, the big man. Yeah, bizarrely, I feel like Armour offers us more going forwards when he plays at full-back rather than wing-back. Like, uh, I think, because he loves having a winger to overlap, and I think if you sort of play Gibson on that left where he quite likes to get inside, it will free up a bit of space for Armour to do that. When Gibson played the ball to Armour, there was three men on Gibson. You know, I think they clearly tried to sort of snuff Gibson out, which in itself gave Armour acres of space down the left to to do what he does very well. And we we haven't really seen him do much of that while he was playing as a, a wing-back. It's, it's ironic, isn't it, Adam? We've been crying out for the fact that uh, um, Sam's been getting on the end of corners and good headers and not managing to take them. And when he finally gets his first goal against his former club, it, it's, a, it's almost like a striker-esque touch and a finish, isn't it? It's cultured. Very cultured. <laughs> yeah. Touch was brilliant. And on his weak foot to finish through through the legs of the defender, yeah. um, I saw, I can't remember who it was, somebody on the Carl socials questioning the uh, the celebration afterwards, which I understand the context of, but I don't know if any, everybody would. Yeah, I saw someone post on the message what it's the Ben, ben Teke did the celebration originally as a footballer, but it's a LeBron James thing, isn't yes. it, I think? Yeah, yeah. But um, who, I can't remember which of them it was. Somebody said, oh, he must have a chronic knee or something. <laughs> I think it um, might have been James suggested he had a, maybe. Uh, was it, um, a what was it? I can't. It was bionic knee or something. The way he was yeah, doing it. Yeah, bionic knee, not chronic. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, because when it, when he first did it, I was like, "There's a Premier League player who does that celebration." And I can't for the life remember who it was. And when someone put Ben Tech, I was like, "Yes, that's who it is." And then obviously the context is it's actually LeBron James originally who did the the thing. But uh, but yeah, and at that point the crowd was really lifted, and there was a feeling that we could really push forward and potentially get a winner. But actually, you'd probably argue the two best chances after that really came to um oh that's three best chances you'd argue actually came to uh to Charlton. There was one couple of really good saves from Hurley, especially the save he made from Hector from the low corner. He just got it got himself down really quickly for a crowd of players to, to palm the ball and pounce on the loose ball. And then Blackettelli nearly got a second as well, didn't he, Adam, with a, a lovely little lob over Hurley and Barkley was the right man in the right place. Yeah, well you probably for this one could go to Mike because I was looking at my friend's phone and I turned back around <laughs> and I just saw Barkley on the line clearing it off so I didn't really uh, see what what had happened but um, I thought Holy was really good there was one instance I can't remember if it was the Lee Burn chance or whether it was a one that wouldn't necessarily go down as a chance where he was off his line extremely quickly where I thought yeah. yes, uh, Lee Burn or whoever it was was going to get there first um, I, th- I think he's been really good since coming back into the into the team and he's, he's well cemented his position even with a potential new goalkeeper arriving in the coming days or tomorrow yeah we'll see it, it, it's, it's one of those ones isn't it with um, with with Hurley I think he just sometimes needs that little rollicking or something just to just to give him that lift again and he then becomes pretty solid and, and like you said he, he claimed everything on set piece I, I saw someone on one of their forums saying why are we why are we launching all these balls straight towards the keeper he's bloody huge like he's going to claim everything and it wasn't just on set piece as well actually to be fair he claimed a lot on crosses too yeah. that, was, that was really impressed me um, but yeah managed to hold on we had a little bit of a flurry in the last five minutes or so we just couldn't really find that final ball it's again it's just lacking that little bit of quality in attack, but that's hopefully going to come with the uh, the improvements we'll be making in um, in the next few weeks and months. Um, 
we'll talk about the off the field stuff in a minute, actually, because you know that was just just fantastic. But let's talk about on the pitch. Um, once again, looking quite solid at the back. Emmanuel's debut. What are your thoughts on that one, Adam? Man, the match role? for me. Yeah, you're man of the match. Yeah, I thought he was brilliant. He just whenever he was on the ball, something happened in a positive way because mm. you get some players who are quite erratic um, and can lose the ball at times but he just seemed to have the bit of composure on the ball and his awareness was really good there's quite a few times where their I don't know if it was their left back or, or left winger or whatever yeah. it was pushed up onto him and he just flicked it around the corner and went past him I don't think there's another player in that squad who can do that on that number yeah. of occasions so I was really really impressed He's got big long legs on him, hasn't he? And when he gets into his stride, you you can really see that he gets go. He reminds me a little bit of like a better version of Hayden White because Hayden White was quite like that, wasn't he? He was very much a once he gets going, you're going to struggle to stop him, and he just keeps going and going. And I think like once he gets his fitness up, he'll, he'll do really well. You you gave him your man of the match. Uh, Who scored dot com uh, gave man of the match to Thomas Holy, um, which is not really a surprise stats wise. Obviously, he made quite a few saves. Um, Sam Lavelle got the club one. Both had great games. I think it's fair to say, Mike. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we were saying on WhatsApp the other day, weren't we, that I think the club like to give man of the match to, well, I say the club, it's normally the sponsor, isn't it, um, to someone who's finished the game. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, Lavelle's been brilliant for mm-hmm. a good while now, actually. I think he's he's actually, well, he's maybe, you could tell when he had joined that it, it took a little bit of getting used to and fitting into the team. Um but he's been very, very consistent, which uh, which we need. Absolutely. We'll talk about his uh, well, his two defensive partners um, at the start. Obviously, it switched to a back four eventually. But um, another shout out to Ben Barr, who continues to be very solid at the back there and does whatever job he's asked to. But I've just got to give a little mention because no one seems to be mentioning him. He's Corey Whelan and how he continues to be Mr. Dependable, isn't it? It's his first league start uh, at the weekend of the season. And he came in and... The biggest compliment you can you can pay him is that you almost didn't notice him in the sense that he just got on with his job, didn't he, Adam? He was just there, solid, kept the ball quite simple, headed out when he had to. And it's good to have a player in the squad like that, isn't it? You know can come in and do that job occasionally. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I did for Football League World a little piece about people who, who could be leaving just because, and he was mm. one of the people that I mentioned just because yeah. he had interest from League Two. Um, but that was no means... In, me saying somebody should get rid of no, no. because like you said he just comes in and often does a job I mean think to the playoff semi-finals and final when he hadn't really yeah. played much but came in did exactly what was asked of him did the same on Saturday um, and yeah like you said just didn't really notice him which is often a good thing I think he was helped a bit ironically by the change to the four at the back but I think all the yeah. defenders were to be fair I yeah. think it just sort of gave have an extra man in midfield gave him a bit of uh, a bit less pressure to handle. Yeah, I think he was having that extra man up front as well, wasn't it? Really, we were keeping the ball a little bit better in attack as well because early on, plunge, bless him, he was he, yeah. was he was doing a lot of running, but he wasn't really able to get, yeah. keep hold of the ball because there was no one around him. And that's that's okay. why I was a bit confused as to why Maguire wasn't starting because he does offer yeah. that in the absence of Joe Garner, he's probably the one up front who can hold the ball up and allow people to get up the pitch. Yeah, as we said, like we're still lacking a little bit up front, but hopefully that'll change fairly soon. A couple more things to mention here. Um, referee, I'm going to say he looked hard as nails, basically. When he came out, he, he was absolutely, he looked like, because you know, you see sometimes they come out, they've got a little bit of belly on them, you know, 
you know, not a full-time athlete at the end of the day. But this lad looks like, yeah, bloody hell. He, you know, he looks like he could probably be out there playing for one of the teams. Got to give him some credit, though. What a great job he did. I mean, only, what was it, one minute added on at the end of the first half, three minutes at the end of the second half. And you didn't hear a single complaint about that, did you, Adam? It was like, no, that, that's that's about right. There was no real time wasting. He, you know, there was maybe a couple of soft free kicks he gave early on, but after that, he wasn't as bad. And, and no booking as well. That's what you want to see from a referee sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, I remember saying to one of my mates that I stood with, it was about sort of 75 minutes into the game, I was like, there hasn't been a booking yet, has there? Which is alien in EFL football, especially with Carlisle. Mm. The amount of bookings and things like that we get for sort of silly stuff and early tackles and things mm. like that. It feels like it's been happening a lot over the last month or so. But yeah, I don't really remember him doing anything that caused a big reaction, which I guess... That's the best compliment you can pay to referee. You didn't really notice them. Yeah. Um, in terms of other things, uh, the pitch. Got to give a shout out to Dave Mitchell and his team, don't we, Mike? And the, the job they did. Obviously, he got quite cold on Friday night, and mm. the sheets were down. But I mean, you would never have guessed there'd been frost on it overnight, would you? Obviously, other than the the bits around the edge of the pitch, it, it just looked in brilliant nick once again. Oh, it's always the way, isn't it? He's the best groundsman in the world for for, for my money. Outstanding job, and you, you say. I, I did worry when I saw the uh, the Piatics on the pitch on on the Friday night doing their uh, interviews, and Jenna and Co were wearing quite long heels, and I thought, oh, Dave's not going to be happy about that. <laughs> but um, but didn't didn't cause any lasting damage by the looks of things, at least. Anyway, uh, well, let's let's talk a little bit about the. Um, in fact, no, tell you what, we'll do one of the six second reviews first. Um, who should we start off with? Uh, we'll have young Craig at first. So Craig Robson, here's his six second review from the game. Hi, this is my 60 second review of the Charlton game. As you know, it was the Pi 6 first game after taking ownership of the club. You can tell they really want to improve the fan experience. The fan zone was packed with bars and food trucks and there was two chippy vans, come on. Um, <laughs> big screen was massive. I mean, It felt like a game that, yeah, we needed a result, but as long as we didn't lose, a draw would have been enough. I would have taken a draw before the game as well because every point is a point to safety, which is what we need. Um, the new right wing back slash right back slash right wing played quite well. Can't work to see him grow into this club even more. He's got great great technical ability. And uh, to be honest, some of them first touches had his left back on skates. Um, although I thought after a decent performance last week by Planche, he didn't really do anything this week. Um, Lavelle's goal, it's been a long time coming he keeps getting on the end of things and for him to do it against his former club well that's just great for him um, we had a wasted free kick right at the end and set pieces haven't been too strong to be fair so far um, how are we looking for a new set piece taker in January, maybe take it off Moxon so we can improve another area of his game but overall really good game, hope to see more improvements in the fan zone up the blues yeah, pretty comprehensive, Craig. Well, let's talk about those improvements in the uh, the fan zone, Adam. Obviously, we did you manage to get down there into the fan zone quite early? Yeah, I did. On? Yeah, yeah. So I caught the last, uh, probably the second half of the Liverpool Man City game. Well, obviously, as we as we saw that emerged uh, late last week, they they hired a uh, big screen that I think is going to be every game uh, going forward. From what I can gather, I think the idea is for a more permanent structure to be put there at some point. But um, but yeah, it, it was huge, wasn't it? And and it, and. I got down there about half twelve. I think we landed about quarter past twelve. So once we walked down, it's about half twelve, and I can't believe how busy it was already at that point. It was just 
just brilliant to see. And the, the atmosphere was great amongst the fans who were there. Um, as Craig mentioned, obviously, there the, big, the improvements to the big screen, but also there was canopies on the... Or canopies, sorry, not canopies. Canopies <laughs> on the... Uh, that would be nice, you know. So walking around giving you canopies instead of the game. Um, <laughs> no, the, the, the canopies, hot tent things um, over the uh, the bar section, which weren't needed in the end, but they're going to be there for the rest of the season as well, I think, which is, is really good. But, um, but also... Those plastic solid cups are good, aren't they? <laughs> Much better than the ones we normally get. I know. My mate, for some reason, because obviously they were handing them out to everyone. It yeah. wasn't just like a... And there wasn't somebody coming around and collecting them. No. But my, my mate was, a, it was like, do you think we're allowed to take these home? I was like, <laughs> mate, you're not going to be able to take it into the ground. I mean, you can try if you want to, but I wouldn't come in wielding a beer. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the all the improvements, well, were that improvements um the screen is massive the one thing i thought when i saw that i was like imagine before if that was there before the bradford second leg watching stockport um salford because obviously we were dependent yeah. on ben barkley playing just everyone in before the game <laughs> crazy, and that would have been brilliant and that's what we've got to look forward to in the future yeah it's, it's gonna be great isn't it in terms of the facilities improving there um yeah, it, it, it was interesting, you know, the cup thing. You mentioned that you couldn't take it into the ground. I took mine into the ground. So <laughs> I took it home and I've been using it for the last couple of days. It's fantastic. Because it's something I'm actually used to because when I go to watch football in Germany, to watch Hertha Berlin, they have, in fact, I've got one right now in front of me on my desk. And basically I've got about four or five of them. And what they do, they have different designs on. So they have like designs of players on them. They have like some classic moments on some of the ones they've done. They've also done this one where they, they make a big thing about the... The areas of Berlin, the districts, and there's a different cup for each district. So you can effectively collect them if you want. Um, we could do that, I suppose, with parts of Cumbria, I guess, maybe, and things like that. Or, you know, up into Southwest Scotland, whatever, and or put classic players on there. And what they do is they do a one euro deposit scheme. So if you um, if you basically yeah, I know what you mean. return them, you get your one euro back before the thing, or you just keep reusing it until you give the one euro back. What you do then have is people going picking them up and taking them back and claiming all the euros for those. Like some people will collect like twenty or thirty of them and pay for the match ticket when they're there. So that would encourage people to recycle a bit more as well, maybe. So that's something maybe the club could look at potentially for for that. But as a short term measure, brilliant, Re- really, really good improvement. Um, all the piatics were in there mingling with the uh, the fans beforehand. I got a chance to chat to Tom too. I know he listens to the podcast, so I hope you listen to this one, Tom, as well, on your way down to Reading for, for the big game. Um, yeah, it was just great to see how happy and positive they were about the fact that the takeover had been done and you know how much they're looking forward to the improvements that are going to be made. And we will be getting them on the pod. I do promise that at some point. I know I spoke to Tom Senior as well, and he, he did say he'd got my... I dropped him an email the other day because he, he gave me his contact details and he said, oh, I'll, I'll get back to you, I promise you. It's a bit busy at the moment. I was like, I, I didn't expect you to reply straight away. To be fair. <laughs> I, was, I thought you might be a little bit busy. I did I did, I did say that, but uh, but really no, good front, stuff. Front of bugle comes before buying a football club. <laughs> exactly. Get your priorities right, Tom. Come on. Um, I'm, I'm only joking there. Before it says a good anything. weekend, successful weekend with with obviously Go Carlisle on. and the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Or yeah, Jaguars, the, as they call it. Jaguars. Jaguars yeah. the, the Jags. Jaguars. Sorry, that's it. Jaguars. Yes. Well, they obviously they're involved in terms of sponsorship at the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, you know a little bit about it. I, I did watch it yesterday, to be fair, and I, and I do occasionally start to understand. American football again, but then I completely forget. I should really get into it more. But what what happened in their game yesterday? For those well, who are heard, probably interested, I heard on the Carl social that uh, Lummy was giving it a bit too uh, 
to to Paul for saying he could hear him watching the the game and being all American uh, watching it. But yeah, it was a good game. Uh, came down to the last sort of five seconds or so. Jacksonville won twenty four to twenty one with uh, the Houston Texans, who they were playing, missing a, a late field goal, which would have sent the game to overtime. Obviously, in, in NFL, they don't have they do have draws if it goes past double overtime, mm-hmm. but otherwise. It usually ends in a win or a loss. It was, way. It, was a, it was a 58 yard kick, wasn't it? And he hit the bar. Yeah, basically. yeah hit the bar. Closer. And maybe if it was, I'd say, six inches better hit, it would have it gone through. Up and got over, yeah, possibly. But Trevor Lawrence, the prince who is promised. <laughs> uh, yeah, playing well. And they're 8 and 3 now, so they look, look good for, for the playoffs. So I'm sure we'll have more weekly Jaguars updates. And maybe we can get. Tom to to come on and watch the do a I don't know Super Bowl watch long or something if they get there. It, it, the big question is if they get to the Super Bowl, are they going to be at the Super Bowl on the Sunday the eleventh and still be at the Portsmouth home game on the Saturday the tenth? That's the question. That's, <laughs> Where's the that's commitment the there? Of, come on, that's the sort of research you don't get on other podcasts. I literally, I literally had to show my own desktop there to see because I've got the fixtures on my desktop just to remind myself what who we were playing on that day. Um, I noticed as well though that they're um, over here for Christmas, the Pirates. Yeah, um, yeah. They said that they're coming for the Northampton home game and then staying until about January second, I think. So, oh, fantastic! Yeah. It's really good to see that, isn't it? Really good to see. Right, let's have a couple more um, six-second reviews. Uh, we'll do Greg's first. Here's Greg Bullman, six-second review. What can you say about Saturday? I thought the Piatics got a great welcome. It looked brilliant with all the flags um, and the big one behind the goal in the Warwick. It looked fantastic. The fan zone was rammed. I think it's going to be uh, a situation where we're going to have to get a bigger fan zone if it carries on like this because uh, the amount of people that were there, it just couldn't cope with the demand. Um, but no, it was it was really good. Um, a good introduction for them. Um, as for the match, I thought it was going to be one of those games like Bristol Rovers again where they just had one real clear-cut chance and scored and we were going to get beat 1-0 because we didn't look like scoring at all really we we aren't creating anywhere near enough uh, chances at the moment I thought Holy played really well though that said I thought Emmanuel was brilliant on his debut he's probably made himself uh, a cult hero now with his little step over in the first minute Um, Lavelle fantastic uh, I thought the subs, even when they came on, added a bit more pace up front, so that was good to see. Um, I think it was a battling point. It was one where we had to work really, really hard uh, to get, um, but it is a good point, nevertheless, up the blues. Pretty good stuff there again from Greg. I completely forgot about that step over. It was brilliant. As soon as you did it, I'm like, wow, this 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 guy's going to either be brilliant or he's going to be Luis Pedro levels of, uh, of madness, isn't he? But... Um... There's a, there's a name blast from the past, isn't there? Um, yes. So, a couple of points you made there about the flags in the Warwick look fantastic as well, didn't they? I, I like the Own the North one. I'm growing to like it. I, I wasn't sure about the whole Own the North flag thing, but I was, it's growing on me. But the surfer flag looked great, didn't it, once it got going over the, the, the Warwick Road end fans? Yeah. And I think with the, it's, it's quite common for American teams to have sort of like a slogan, which it's not yeah. really a thing that's done over here. So, yeah. It didn't surprise me, but it's it's sort of um, it's it's appropriate. It's not like they've come in and you know just completely changed the uh, you know the style of the club. And that's one thing that 
people have mentioned when they first started speaking to them is they've done the research and they understood yes. sort of the culture and the yeah. traditions around the club. So yeah. I, they're still I, providing their influence. I did enjoy them coming out of the Game of Thrones theme there when they came onto the pitch. Obviously, in terms of Rowan, I didn't hear stuff, what the music was. It was the Game of Thrones theme, which which was quite yeah. amusing. <laughs> but um, but what I'd say is they picked the. Uh, I think they the family picked some songs to be on the playlist before the game. Not to my taste, some of them. But then oh, again, they didn't I, go down well with I, some I, uh, some I, people. I, I have I have very basic taste, but it bluntly, I'm indie till I die, I suppose is what you put it really. But um, but yeah, look, it's not for me at the end of the day. So that there you go. But what I will say is, no sign of any girl music yet, and good as long as that stays the <laughs> oh, same. Yeah. I will I will be honestly, I'll be rioting the day they've got girl music on. On that honestly, note. I, I wouldn't be bothered if we were scoring goals. I wouldn't be complaining to be That's honest. Good point. But on that note, there was some. Uh, there's a five-a-side team that I saw on Twitter over the last week that when they score, they have a mate who stands on the side of the pitch with a small speaker and plays. Who is it that plays a uh, um, that has the goal music? There is someone in the EFL that does it, and it's the same music. Um, I think, but yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a team in the EFL that does it. I, I know that Swindon had it, and when they got battered in the FA Cup the other week, I think they were like seven nil down, and they scored <laughs> one consolation, and then the <laughs> goal music comes on, and it just felt well, weird. On those lines, um, Fleetwood Town play the Captain Pugwash theme when they score goals, which <laughs> which genuinely is quite amusing to be fair. But also Bayern Munich play the Can Can when they score, yeah. And you think of how many teams they batter six or seven nil. It must be so demoralised the seventh time you hear the can-can theme playing in a goal. There'll be some it? tired legs in the stands. Oh, you just hate it, wouldn't you? Right, we've got one more uh, six-second review to do, and that's Regan. I wonder if he'll bring back the catchphrase for this one. I haven't listened to it yet, so let's see what Regan had to say. <laughs> yeah, thoroughly deserved point, to be honest. Charlton are a good side, definitely better than the table suggests, and they've got a very dangerous front three, but I think we dealt with them well. Hawley was superb, solid saves, really good kicking as well. Um we're probably just a bit unlucky that we didn't have Garner on there because he he could have caused the defence a lot of problems on Saturday, I think. Um, but I think considering the injuries that we've got and the slump that we've been on, it is a really solid point and one that we thoroughly deserve, to be honest. Um, the day itself was brilliant. Everything the club did before the game to kind of get the atmosphere going and it was always going to be a good, feel-good atmosphere. But obviously the Piatics coming onto the pitch, the reception they got, it just set the tone. And yeah, looking like a bright future at Brunton Park and on to Reading on Tuesday where we'll get three points up the Blues. Well, no no sign of the cat. I suppose we only drew, didn't we? And he only yeah. brings out for yeah. wins, I guess so. Um, did, did you manage to get yourself some um, foam hands, Adam, at the game or not? Or? I didn't. I got one of the, the <laughs> flags that everyone was waving, which I thought, to be fair, I was preparing myself for it to feel really corny, but I actually did think it looked quite good yeah, with everyone uh, with everyone waving them. Um, but I didn't think it looked quite as good in the, the videos afterwards, but when you were in the ground, I think it looked, oh, it, it, looked it really good. It felt great when you were in the ground. I got two of the home foam hands because I didn't bring any gloves with me, and it was the best way to keep my hands warm. <laughs> and it, it, did, it did a fairly good job, to be fair, for a bit, but, uh, but there you go. Um, right, let's do a quick rundown of the League One results on the weekend before we go into the second half. Um, <laughs> obvious place to start alphabetically, but the obvious place to start with the result, Bolton 7, Exeter 0. Exeter, since they beat us, I think pretty much since then, they've been absolutely honking form, haven't they, Adam? That They've really, really struggled, and... Gary Caldwell's now had two votes of confidence. Uh, he must be in trouble, surely soon. 
I don't think they've won since we beat them. No. Oh, since they beat us, sorry. Um, but yeah, and just Bolton in the last nine games, ironically, have yeah. eight wins and one loss, and that one loss is courtesy <laughs> of Jordan us. Gibson. It's incredible, isn't it, really, when you look back mm. at it? It's like, it just feels like, for me, Exeter potentially could get dragged into that relegation battle because... Yeah, they lost a lot of quality in the summer. Like, Jay Stansfield, yeah. obviously, was a loney. Even Joe White, who was at Crew and is doing well, he's yeah. been doing brilliant. Obviously, Joe's from Carlisle. Um, yeah. It could be one potentially that uh, now he's because I think he's getting a bit more used to sort of the EFL physicality. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Exeter are in trouble. Tell a lie. They they did win. They won three games after they they beat us. They beat Reading, they? Burton, and then Cheltenham. I think that's the thing when you look at their opening fixtures. Take away Portsmouth, they didn't have too many tough fixtures early on. Really, it was quite an easy run and. Since they've actually had to start playing some half-decent teams, they've struggled a bit, really, and that, that's where the real drop in form is. And like you said, the last win in the league was on the 16th of September. So, yeah, not not great form for them. Um, obviously, we drew 1-1 one, one with uh, Charlton. Cheltenham got a, a decent result against Oxford, who struggling a little bit since uh, Liam Manning left them to go to Bristol City. Uh, Derby got a 2-1 win over Bristol Rovers. Fleetwood, not a great result for them. 3-0 home defeat to Stevenage. Leighton Orient won, Wigan won. Uh, Lincoln got a 2-2 draw at home against Barnsley. Northampton against Cambridge, a bit of a derby game that one. Northampton came out 2-1 winners. Peterborough beat Burton. Fawn. Burton, have, again, their form's dropped a little bit, hasn't it, really? They're really struggling to, to get results together. Um, arguably, outside of 7-0 to Bolton, the biggest result of the day, though, surely, Mike, is... Portsmouth nil, Blackpool four. Portsmouth's first defeat of the season, and and what a way to lose! Yeah, I know. And Blackpool sort of they seem to be relatively hit and miss, don't they, this season? And hopefully, it's on one of their missed days when we played them. Feels like they're slowly creeping up the table, doesn't it? That, that's that's mm. the concern with them, I think. And yeah, I kind of you look at their squad; they look like they've got enough quality to be right up there, doesn't it, Adam? I think I'd imagine I'd imagine them being up in the playoffs at the season, end of the season. Yeah, and in terms of Portsmouth, if I could, this might be, you know, obviously it's good to say in hindsight, but that run with the way they were playing especially was not going to continue. Like, even when they played against us, they weren't brilliant, and then I think the next game they were 2 nil down and then scored yeah. in the last minute to win and things like that. It's hard to keep that up for so long, so yeah, it was coming. Probably a bit, of a bit of a reset for them, I think it's probably fair to say that result. Uh, Shrewsby got a really important result, a 2-1 win over Port Vale. And our opponents this weekend, Reading, they got their first win again since the 16th of September. Uh, with a 2-1 win over Red uh, Wickham, sorry, away. Before we move on, may on. I ask and question, how are Shrewsby 12th? They are 12th, <laughs> they 12th? in the league. They're 12th mm. in the league. That's that's genuinely mind. They have played a few more games than other teams, I suppose. And there's not they, a lot of points though between about no seventeenth and. But even still, 10th. they were dogging when they came and played against us. They were horrendous, yeah. and they, mm. I don't know how they managed to score two because their attack is useless. They've, 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 they've scored. They've got the same number of points as Charlton. They played two more games, but that's a genuine surprise, isn't it? Really. Maybe suggest Charlton are underperforming as much as anything, but yeah, wow, quite quite a shock. That I, I genuinely didn't realise until you said that. I thought, I'm going to go and double check that. I'm sure, is that? Oh God, they are. Yeah, blimey. Right, we'll take a short break and then we'll be back to preview the Reading game. Oh. 
Hi, it's uh, Tom Piatic the second, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. Uh, I told you we spoke to him before the game. There you go. There's Tom the second doing a bit of a halftime break. Of it for us. We'll, get the other, we'll get the other guys to do one, and girls to do one as well. So, uh, right uh, on to the um, preview, preview section. Uh, looking ahead to the game against Reading. Um, so first up, we're going to be speaking to Alex. He's a mate of yours, Mike, isn't he? Yeah. Um, from he's a Reading fan, uh, part of the Elm Park Royals podcast. I was supposed to record this before we recorded, but they had a bit of breaking news about potential takeovers. They've done a little bit of an emergency pod of their own, I think, this evening. So I'm recording this after we chat. Um, I mean, what am I going to talk about? Well, what an absolute mess they are off the field and have been for the last few seasons. Um, whether they can drag themselves out of trouble because they're, they're really, really struggling at the moment. Even with the points that they've deducted back, they'd be below us in the table still. And uh, what the Blues can expect on their first trip to Berkshire since the early 1980s. So here's the chat I had with Alex. So yes, here we are for the latest Behind Enemy Lines with Alex from the Elm Park Royals podcast. Alex, uh, I'd ask how you're doing, but as a Reading fan, it can't be a great town to be a fan. I mean, I'd ask you to try and explain the off the field issues in as brief a sort of segment as possible. But I suspect that's not going to be easy because your ownership's just been a, a mess for a few seasons now, hasn't it? It's just It just seems to be one thing after another. And, you know, it's starting to affect things quite badly on the pitch as well, isn't it? Yeah, uh, a brief rundown on the history of Dai Yong. Yeah, that could take ages. Um, <laughs> it's It's been pretty bad for a number of years now. Uh, we've, we've battled relegation out of the championship for four or five seasons, I think it was. Um, we had one reasonable season where we just missed out on the playoffs underneath. Valko uh, Panovic was the manager during the COVID season. And, and other than that, every other year we've been battling relegation. Finally, we got relegated last year on the back of a, a points deduction. So we had a six-point deduction last season, um, which we got, we went down, of course, by six points. Um, season before, we had a six-point deduction as well, both for basically overspending um, and not being anywhere near the limit for the financial fair play in the championship that you're meant to stick to. Um, which is 13 million a year and we were miles over it. Weren't even close. Um, this season we've been deducted four points as well already, um, which is just not not a good start. We've got uh, no no tax really being paid or being paid very late every month and wages have been being paid generally, but they seem to be coming down to the line every every month as to whether they'll be pay, paid or not. Um, there's been a lot of rumours about sales of the sale of the club. Um, hopefully something is coming. It felt like we had some news today, which was exclusivity for a group is kind of like potentially, you know, on the brink of being signed and that that is getting there. But at the minute, the fans are basically kind of, you know, at revolting against the club and, there's uh, there's very little love between between the fans and the club at this point in time. Um, we've kind of decimated ourselves on the field as well. We can't sign players until January 25. I think the last player we signed for any money was 2020, which we were forced to sign because it was an option off a loan. So it would have been five years since we spent literally a penny uh, on anybody by the, point, by the time we can sign anyone. So we're playing basically free agents, loans and academy players um, 
this season and it just hasn't worked at all on the pitch this year really for us. We've started really like sluggishly. Um, we had a, a little bit of an uptick against some of the, the teams who are kind of weaker in the division, but other than that, we've really struggled. Um, we've improved in recent weeks a bit since Sam Smith has come back, but it's been a really, really kind of crap season and crap last five, five or six years, really supporting Reading. Yeah, Hopefully I mean, that was brief enough for you. Yeah. If, if... It, it, it kind of feels bad because, we, as we mentioned before, we started recording. I was saying to you, how off the field things are looking quite good for us now, and it, it, it kind of makes you feel a little bit guilty when you see other clubs struggling a bit. It's just kind of like, wow, kind of realize how lucky you are to hopefully, you know, fingers crossed for us, find owners who seem to really care and seem to really get it. Um, talking yeah, generally, what, what I wouldn't take for what I wouldn't take for an ownership group like. Uh, like your your American family have just taken over. Yeah, they they you know look it's the early days. You can never be too sure, but they they seem to be saying out all the right things and all the right messages and the the stuff they've done already in terms of improving on the grounds just ridiculous. So, uh, but there you go. Um, let's talk about the, the football side of it then to maybe take it away from the. Uh, I suppose it's probably not much cheery, is it? Really talking about the football side because even with those points back, you'd be right down near the bottom still, wouldn't you? Those four points. So, I mean, you'd still be below us, <laughs> which is. You know, we've not had the greatest start of the season. Um, when you look at your squad and your recruitment, it seems a little bit of a mishmash. It does seem like there's there's a handful of players you look and think, okay, you know, they're players who can do it this level. You know, you likes of you, Lewis Wing and Sam Smith and Harvey Nibs and players like that, maybe even Harley Dean as well. But then there's a lot of players you look at and you think, is that the kind of players you need when you you know you're, you're potentially going to be mid-table sort of struggling potentially at this level is it what was your thought of your summer recruitment I know it's limited to what you can do in terms of I think that's that's the main issue this this year has just been we're so limited as to what we can do so we can't pay any agent fees so we really struggle with free agents um to bring them in the door and I mean we've got a director of football who's kind of been calling in favors really to get you know calling in favors and, and putting in crazy deals with 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 people to be able to get them across the line. So like we signed Charlie Savage in summer um, from Man United, but the deal from Man United is he can join us on a free, which is great. So we can sign him, but there's a 50% sell on clause when he leaves. Um, And we've got another player who was signed from Chelsea, same kind of deal, like a huge sell on clause when he eventually, eventually leaves. Um, Yeah. it, It feels like we've gone for a kind of, Generally, we've tried to sign potential, um, but that is what it is. Ninety yeah. percent of our recruitment has been based on potential rather than, you know, proven talent. Obviously, you mentioned Sam Smith and Harvey Nibs, and those are two of our, you know, really only signings with any experience um, who are regulars in the team at the minute. I mean, Harley Dean got signed, yeah. but he's been in and out, and, and frankly, pretty poor when he has played. Mm. So. Um, yeah, it, it feels like they've tried to to come up with a recruitment strategy, and it's, I mean, it's better than last year's, but it's 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 so short termism uh, in terms of what we're able to do and and what we can actually achieve doing it. So it's it was never going to be perfect, unfortunately. Yeah, it's manager wise. Uh, obviously, you brought in. Ruben Shellis as manager in the summer. I think you were potentially after Chris Wilder at one point, if I seem to remember right. Or do I imagine that? But it, oh, there was so, yeah. Chris Wilder was in and out and in and out and in and out at Reading for about 
six weeks or so. And then eventually he kind of fell through and, and Ruben Sellers came in. And um, I think he came in maybe with all the right ideas, but frankly, the football has not really worked. Um, no. No, we've, we've, we tried to play a start. Well, not even a style. We tried to play a formation, which just doesn't work in League One um, with players who, who don't have the experience to play. And we were trying to play um, kind of two two central midfielders deep and then two central midfielders higher up, but no width. And there was a lot of just, there was a, a lot of poor elements to what we were trying to do. And we've, we've changed in recent weeks, but uh, in, in all honesty, by this point, Sellers has, has really lost a lot of the fan base. Um, yeah. And although people aren't calling for his head necessarily directly at games, because the realistic option at the moment is that he, he can't and won't be sacked while the ownership situation isn't sorted out. Um, yeah. I think most people have kind of accepted as soon as the ownership situation is sorted out that he's probably going to get booted out of a door unless something miraculous changes in the next however long um, because it's, as you said earlier, even with the points deduction added back on, we'd still be second bottom of the table. Yeah, it, it, it's a real... I suppose it's a challenge once you get into that rut, isn't it, really? And you, you, you can't quite get out of that form. You don't have those experienced players in there to sort of grab the team by the scruff of the next. And you've still got you've got a few in there, like you like Sam Hutchinson and people like that. But it, it, again, it's... Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's part of the... I guess part of the thing that we've had this season so far, it's... Um, I'll be up most of this has been away from home. We've, we've had it couple have a, had a, had it happen once, I think, at home so far, but we've we struggled to see games out. Um I think mm. we've conceded in the last minute or in the last five minutes, I think we've conceded nine goals in the last five minutes of games. And of those, it's like seven or eight of them have affected the result negatively against us. Um and we've gone from, you know, we probably I think if we took away those goals, we'd probably have another five or six points at least minimum um you know we conceded two against Rosemary injury time and they were from set pieces and it, we, we've we've really struggled to be able to grind a game out is, is kind of a major issue with these um with the youngsters who are involved and you know it's not all their fault the fact that we can't grind the game out but we are we are just kind of missing that and yeah. Saturday was the first kind of time that we've really done it and we've actually just yeah stopped a team from actually pushing forwards at the end of a game and, and just panicking us yeah, in, in in terms of the, the aim for the season, then I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, it's obvious now, isn't it? It's just staying up and getting that ownership issue sorted, isn't it? That that's the the only aim you can really get, get look for, isn't it? Uh, yeah, at this point, a good. I mean, at this point, a, a great season would be if Reading stay up and the ownership situation gets sorted out. Um, most fans two or three weeks ago would have said that we are already consigned to League One. I think we're at that point we were like ten points off the bottom, uh, ten points off safety or something. I think we're slightly less than that now, but we're we're still a long way down there. Um, you know, if we stay up, it's going to be it really is going to be a miracle at this point anyway. So that would be a great start, and then if the ownership situation gets sorted out as well, then that's fantastic. Um, those are the two, you know, two kind of only real basic aims for the entire season. We've got nothing else which we can really aim for. We're definitely not going any higher up in the table than, than you know, potentially, hopefully staying up. But I think even that's going to take a real kind of effort at this point. Yeah. Um, 1982 was the last time the two sides played each other. <laughs> so it's been quite a while, it's fair to say. They've only played each other um, 10 times previously. Um, what can our fans expect at the... Let me get this name right because I always get it wrong. The Select Car Leasing Stadium. 
<laughs> I've been there myself before, to be fair. For I went to watch Leeds play against you guys when I was living down that way, but um, a lot for uh, about five hundred of our fans going down for the midweek game. So, what, what can they expect? I say one thing: five hundred fans is far more than Burton bought on a Saturday. So, fair play because you, you know <laughs> it's. A, I know it's a long, long trek, and it's people are going to get home at three, four in the morning, and that is a, a real effort. So, you know, fair play. Um, what can you expect? It will probably be quite a nervous atmosphere, I think, because people are people are seeing tomorrow as a must win for us, really. Um, you know, as I imagine you you guys must kind of feel the same, you know, playing against the team at the bottom, you don't can't can't come to a team at the bottom and lose. Um people are seeing tomorrow as a must win. So there will be a nervy atmosphere, I think. Um most of the noise will come from the same end as the away fans sat in. Um, we kind of got the, the in inverted commas noisy section, which is called Club 1871. It sits just to the kind of right hand side of you as the away fans. Um, we've, we've definitely had a reputation in recent years of kind of having quite a quiet reputation. Um, it's probably a bit unjust, I think, you know, having been to, I don't know how many. 50 or 60 away grounds it's probably a bit unjust we we don't we're not quite that bad um, in terms of home atmosphere but a tuesday night in the middle of november is not going to uh you know rustle up too no. many extras i think it's probably gonna be kind of a half full half full ground and i'm sure lots of lots of color fans will walk away thinking that the you know it's not all that but um yeah it's a nice enough it's a nice enough ground for, for what it is but um i think you're probably not going to see it necessarily at its best on a a Tuesday midweek game when uh, in in November, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I, I did know from speaking to a few of our fans that they were very annoyed when they saw that our game down at your place was on a Tuesday night. I'll be honest, I'm delighted that Carlisle was on a Saturday for us. <laughs> yeah, that would have been horrible for you guys coming up on a Tuesday night as well. We do have quite a, a decent number of fans who live in London as well, so a few of them will be coming over from there, I guess, for the game. But there you go. Um, Alex, you've been very generous with your time. I know you've been quite busy tonight dealing with... Uh, emergency podcasts and things like that about the potential takeover news for you guys and, and, and things. So um, before we finished, can you give me a prediction for Tuesday night's game? I am going to go for, I'm going to go for, a, I really don't want to predict the Reading wing because it'll come back and bite <laughs> me on the ass. Um, oh, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to say we're going to win 2-1. Um, we can't keep a clean sheet at all ever so but we have looked better going forwards in recent weeks so i'll go through two one alex uh genuinely wish you all the best for our season hope the the takeover stuff all gets sorted because you, you never really want to see a club struggling at any level so uh hope that gets all sorted but all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend as long as it's us staying up over you if, if it comes down to that <laughs> if it comes down to fingers crossed neither of us have to yeah. suffer with that hope not cheers cheers right Okay, let's get into talking about the game then, guys. Uh, Reading away, as I mentioned earlier, first time we've played them since the early 1980s. Uh, last time we played at Reading, it was Elm Park, the old ground, rather than the... Uh, the oh, God, it's a terrible name for a ground. The Select Car Leasing Stadium. The Majeski oh. was a much better name for it, wasn't it, really? <laughs> That's what it should be known as. Rolls forever. off the tongue. It's ridiculous. But the last time we played them was at Elm Park, and this was in the old third division so the equivalent of the level we're at now when United finished second that season got promoted to what was division two which is now the championship um and it the game at Elm Park ended a 2-2 draw Tommy Craig and Russell Coughlin scored United's goals in front of a crowd of just 2,958 people 
which like kind of sort of opens your eyes to what crowds were like in the 1980s, doesn't it? You know, when you all things considered, um, not not great. <laughs> it's fair to say. Mm. Um, let's look ahead to this one then, guys. Uh, Reading. Adam, what, what, what's your thoughts on their transfer to them? Because I'm looking at it, I know they've had issues off the pitch, they've had embargoes and all kinds of stuff like that. And I look at it and I'm like, it, it just seems a bit of a mess, their recruitment. It doesn't feel like they've recruited for League One. It just feels like they've gone and got a lot of almost random players. There's two, there's three or four of them, maybe like Lewis Wing and Sam Smith and Harvey Nibs and players like that you'd look at. Okay, maybe, maybe Harley Dean as well. But some of the rest, you're like, it feels very mishmash, doesn't it? Yeah, Sam Smith's probably the one you'd pick out of the yeah. the bunch in terms of expecting to be, you know, at least competent in this level, which is what he showed last mm. year for Cambridge. Um, you got likes of Charlie Savage, who's coming from from Man United, and actually to, uh, Don Ballard is coming from Southampton, who I mm. really like. I think is a good signing. But the problem is, is they've got a lot of like you said, a lot of players who you, you don't really know what they're going to be like. And that's a dangerous game when you're starting with points deductions and you're in the situation that you're in. And you've got a manager who I think we'll probably get on to who's, I mean, limited experience in the FL is is a, probably an understatement, especially at this level. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, so yeah, some of the players on paper probably got a decent amount of talent, like likes Clinton Moller as well as is an all right player. But it's how it all comes together and does it work as a League One team, not just like, if this was an under, if you were to put this in an environment of like an under-21s game where it's just not as physical, it's just more about ability, it'd probably do all right, but it's not built for this league really at the moment. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because they've, you know, we don't talk about the trophy much on this pod, but they've got a phenomenal record in the the EFL trophy this season. I think, was it something like 19 goals? It's something ridiculous in like 14, 19 goals, something like that scored. And then about two conceded, won all three of the games. They beat Exeter 9 0. They beat Arsenal's under 21s 5 2 or something. I think they won the other one quite comfortably as well. So clearly, the, the, the point you make there is a fair one, actually. Um, you think similar when you look for it, Mike? I mean, like I said, you mentioned Clinton and Mola there, Adam. I mean, aside from Stuttgart, it's a strange one, isn't it? And Paul, Paul Makairu on loan from FC Copenhagen and Tyler Binden from the LAFC Academy. It's a weird mishmash, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, definitely. And uh, like Adam said there, there's a few players that sort of, you don't really know what they're going to bring. Um, I mean, Charlie Savage was really well thought, obviously Robbie Savage's mm. son was really well thought of at Manchester United. I was quite surprised that he uh, ended up at Reading. Um, Permanently, definitely, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, um, and I think just on the whole, they've all sort of really struggled to gel for League One, like Adam said, I think they've got maybe a lot of players that were used to that under twenty one setup at other clubs, and it's a big step up for a lot of people to make it at the same time. You mentioned the manager there, Adam. I agree. With you. I think it's a really interesting one, Ruben Shellers. Um, obviously, he was in charge of Southampton second half of last season, pretty much. Um, didn't manage to keep them up. No real experience at this level. <laughs> Do you think they've been? A, I don't want to say arrogant because it's not you know the, the club ownership. Maybe you've been a bit. They've underestimated this a little bit, and, and they should really have got someone who knows the division well, knowing that. Well, I suppose they didn't maybe know they were going to have points deductions, but knowing they might struggle to get players in early on, it it, it just doesn't seem like there's been much thought put into it. Which would, with the ownership and the way they've gone, it probably makes sense, really, doesn't it? It's like you've put. Uh... 
nine-year-old who plays Kareem Hunt. This is no disrespect to any nine-year-olds <laughs> who may be listening to the Brunton people. <laughs> but it's like you've put a nine-year-old who plays career modes in charge yeah. of Reading, and he's gone, oh, I like that name. He's good for another club. And, oh, Ruben Sellers, he's, he used to be Southampton manager. We'll bring him in. There's no, there doesn't seem too much thought as to actually how it's all, all put together, which, to go back to the Piatics, is something that they actually seem to be pretty switched on to. Well, they were linked with Chris Wilder, weren't they? I think, and he was. I think I seem to remember he was fairly close to getting the job, and then possibly turned it down, and that's why they've turned to Ruben uh, Selesh. And it just, yeah, it just feels a very strange appointment. I mean, in terms of players they've lost, I mean, they've lost some of the bigger names that you'd expect. You know, Tom Winscott, sorry, Tom Insoy going to Watford, and George Pushkas going to Genoa. Um, mind you, he was out on loan last season as well. There, I think. Anyway, so I don't think there's that much of a loss for them. Andy Carroll yeah. going to Amiens in France, having a lovely old time there. Um, and obviously Shane Long retired as well. It, it's yeah, it kind of. I look through the squads, and he stands out for you, Mike, in the squad. I mean, David Button in goals a pretty good experienced keeper. To be fair, he, he's been about a bit, and Harley Dean in defence. But it, yeah, it's, it's an odd one. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think when they signed, because I was actually pretty surprised in the summer when they signed Sam Smith, especially given mm. their uh, transfer embargo or whatever you, well, it wasn't quite an embargo, yeah. was it? I think strange, uh, restrictions it? or what you, whatever you want to call it, because um, he, he did really well for a struggling Cambridge side this season, but I don't think he's really hit the ground running, has he at Redden? I'm, I don't think I'm wrong in saying this, but I'm pretty sure he's either from the area or came through their academy, which yeah. I remember well, seeing he, when he he's signed. From, he's from Manchester way, apparently, but he, yeah. he, he, I think he joined Reading very early in his career and had a yeah. few years there. So there's already yeah, that link, right, which yeah. sort of partly explains it. But he was someone mm. that I think, had the Piatics been here in the summer, probably would have been someone that Carlo would have had a strong mm. look at if they didn't already. He was linked to us, wasn't he, I think? Yeah, I'm just looking. He was in Man United's academy until from 2004 to 2014. Then he went to Reading after that for a few years. Um, yeah, he's, he's someone I think he was sort of linked to us a couple of times past. He's only made five appearances and scored two goals. He's had an injury issue, I think, since he uh, rejoined Reading. But yeah, he's one that definitely stands out as a, a pretty good player. They got him on a three-year deal as well, you know, which when they yeah. all those restrictions in place seems a bit of a... I can never understand these restrictions sometimes that are put on clubs because they don't seem to stick to them very much, do they? It's just, it's just hit and miss in terms of how they're implemented. Um, but yeah, it's quite a packed squad. There's a, I should say the squad looks busy, but there's, I think, about six or seven of those players are players who've been promoted from their youth academy. So it's probably not quite as packed with first teamers as it looks. Um, but yeah, it just, it just feels like. There's potential players in there, but maybe not so much experience or players who are going to know the league that well. And, you know, sometimes you do need that when you come down. I think Wigan have done that fairly well in terms of the way they've signed. I know they've not got up to the greatest of starts, but with the points added on, they'll be okay so far this yeah. season. And Blackpool with like likes of Jordan Rhodes. A lot of the yeah. players they've signed would be great at a Charlton where they're not expected to be, mm. you know, leading the line, things like that, where they can just show glimpses. Yeah. But in a team like this where... You need, with the situation they're in, they have to have players who can be consistent. And a lot of those players, you just don't know what to expect from them even before they join. And it could be the, the case now that they still don't know what to expect uh, week to week. Yeah, 
they've had four points deducted so far this season and we'd, we'd go into detail on the ownership things but it's 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 such a complex moving beast for them isn't it you know uh i can't remember the name of the die isn't it the the, the owner who's, who's let's, die let's young, say yeah. die young yeah, is not yeah. the most popular person it's fair to say and yeah it d- just doesn't seem to know how to run a football club is the impression you get isn't it um referee for this one uh chris sorry charles breaks yeah. His 11th season as an EFL referee, started in 2013. Um, he has taken charge of 14 games so far this season, handing out 59 yellows and three red cards. Last season, he, t- he handed out 114 yellows and five red cards in 33 games. And the last United game he took charge of was in March when the Blues went down to a 1-0 loss at Gillingham. And we had Feeney, Garner, Moxon and Barkley all booked that day. I seem to remember he didn't give was a penalty in that game as well. Was it Ben Barkley would maybe brought down in the box, I think, if I remember rightly. It rings a bell, something like that happened in the second half. We we were not good that day and did not deserve anything from it, but I remember no. it, it being a bit of a poor decision in terms of a penalty in there. Um, head-to-head-wise, it's only the 11th meeting of the two sides, which quite surprised me. I thought we might have played them a little bit more than that, but yeah, only 11 times we played them. And the record is that we've won two, four have been a draw, and four wins for the Royals. Um Let's talk about play for both. Um, Dan's not been able to record anything for us for this one this week, so I'm just going to list through. There's not a huge list of players. Some An eclectic mix of players, I think, though, it's fair to say in there. Uh, Jockel Anderson is an obvious one to start with. Dean Buzanis, obviously never played a game for us, but um, he was uh, d- did fairly well at Reading last season and then got shipped out on loan to Sutton again this season, which is a bit of a strange one. Uh, Keith Curl actually played. I didn't realise he played for Reading. I knew a few of these could be played for, but I never realised he'd had a season at Reading as well in the 80s. Um, Alex Haddo. Um, anyone who remembers Alex Haddo, we had him, I think he was at the start of, I want to say he was at the start of Roddy Collins' first season in charge when we had lots of players on month-to-month contracts. And he, I think we offered him a one-year deal, which he said he was going to sign. And then he did his cruciate ligament in a game at Darlington. Um, and basically we honoured the deal because we're like, well, it feels a bit bad that we don't do it now. <laughs> and he, he never played another game for us after that. Um, Phil Hadland, uh, Ian Hart obviously went from us to, to Reading. Uh, Peter van der Quack was one of the goalkeepers in the season of about a million goalkeepers in the early noughties. Um, what a name. I, J, J, I, I was thinking, Adam, it probably be before you were born. It was about 2000 when it happened. And my we had a, just a ridiculous, Ridiculous number of goalkeepers we signed that season. I think, off the top of my head, Luke Weaver, Peter Keane, I think Paul Heritage might still have been technically a, a player at that point. Um, Did we have Glennon on loan? Uh, was that the season? No, that was the season after we had Glennon uh, on loan. Uh, Andy Dibble, we had him on loan. We had Peter van der Quack. We had, I'm, I'm really sorry for mentioning this name, Dan, because it brings him back in, out in hives. Barry Thompson, who played famously played um, the game at uh, Ilkeston um, in the FA Cup, the last time a non-league team beat us in the FA Cup. Um, who else was there? Was a couple more. Mike Lingham, he was on loan that season. Um, you know, I'm going to have to load up soccer base to find all these names while we're running through this because the number of keepers we had was just astonishing that season. But Van der Quack was there. There was another keeper who was a Norwegian lad who was running to get a taxi to the airport at the airport running to catch a taxi to go to the airport to fly over and pulled his hamstring running to catch the taxi which is frankly quite remarkable isn't it when you think you know that the 
probably just about sums up Carl United, doesn't it? Right, let me load this up. I've got it loaded now. Who else do we have who's a goalkeeper that season? Andy Dibble, I've obviously mentioned. Um, Paul Heritage, who never actually played for us. Michael Ingham, um, Barry Thompson, <laughs> uh, Luke Weaver and Peter van der Quack. But I think there was a couple more that we signed that didn't play possibly. But it was it was just ridiculous. It was like week to week you would have a different goalkeeper and that's it was madness back then. Um, Dylan Kerr, the Maltese Falcon, uh, Matthew Manset, um, Glenn Murray had a short spell at Reading, Eric Nixon, Oliver Norwood, Grant Smith, Jack Stacey and Mick Tate. So that's not a huge amount, but a, a few in there, but there you go. Right, let's go to this one then in terms of United. Adam, what what do we do with this one? I mean, Joe Garner's surely come back in. Do you bring Alfie back in as well? I wouldn't bring Alfie back in, but okay. I'm, conf- I'm, I'm conflicted when it comes to John Mellish. Because his runs from, like, the way he can carry the ball, Carl don't really have many players like that who can just sort of drive from midfield. But he's not good on the ball. I know everyone, like, likes him in that advanced role, but he's not good. He just doesn't have the finesse to play in I, that and be effective. So I'm that? conflicted. Because he's, he's good at some things, he's not as good at others. And, but then when he drops back into the defence, we don't have someone to do that. So I'm twisted. I'm. I think he's been okay on the ball this season. Actually, no. I think he. I think even into this season from last season, I think he's improved and I think he looks after a lot better. I almost wonder sometimes, would he be better playing on the left side of that front three, and just ha- allow him to run at the oh. fullback? And and it's, and it's mental, like because it was one of the few positions he's not played. But oh. you could almost then go more direct and target him with longer balls to win the headers and and just tell him you just run at that fullback and then just hit it into the box and see what happens. I'm only. I'm just. I'm. I'm spitballing, you know, I'm throwing ideas out, but I, I, I tell you, I, my personal opinion is I, I'd, I'd put him back in the back four. I think he's better there, and I think he's shown he can, and I show, he's shown he can play that role. And that's not, a, you know, saying anything bad about either, um, I forgot the names now, uh, Barkley and, and Whelan. But for me, I'd rather have him in there. He's mad, you've signed, you've signed Emmanuel to play as a right back, but you're almost tempted at the moment, just while we're trying to, Get through again. Play him at right wing. Play him at right wing and put Gibson on the left side of of, of Garner. What what would you go with, Mike? What what's your thoughts? Well, uh, I agree. I prefer Mellish at centre back, but we're so yeah. short of midfielders at the minute, and I think that that might dictate it a bit more. I I do prefer four at the back, but again, mm. with the numbers that we have, it might be more beneficial to sort of do a three at the back. Um, personally, I, I would prefer a four at the back, but if you're playing sort of Moxon, McGeek. And then someone else in that number ten. There's no one on the bench. So potentially, if you go, well, if McCalmont's back, hmm. with McCalmont back, obviously that helps. I wouldn't be because the way we sort of set up in the second half, more so, or more maybe when Maguire and Edmondson came on, was almost like a four-four-two. Hmm. Obviously, where Emmanuel was on the right, Gibson on the left, McGeoch and uh, and Moxon in the midfield, yeah. and the two strikers. So. I wouldn't necessarily mind seeing Garner and Maguire sort of as that. Obviously, Maguire plays a little bit deeper. It also gives Emmanuel that freedom on the right, but he can be in a slightly more defensive role. And then obviously Gibson on the left. Mm. But the only thing is it leaves just the two central midfielders, so that's a bit of a risk. Yeah. I do wonder if we're in a away game like this, having a busy player like McCormick who can get about the pitch a bit and, and put a tackle in might be an ideal thing to do. Um it's kind of maybe another reason why you play Mellish in that role because you need someone who's going to get in there and maybe try and win the ball back as much as possible. And yeah. It's 
horses for courses, isn't it? You know, there's not a huge amount of options that's a good thing. your frame plays about, really, aren't you? So. Yeah, well, that's the good thing about a fair amount of the players we have. You've got like the likes of Barkley, who can obviously play centre-back, right-back, wing-back if needs be. Whelan can play across the back yeah. three. Mellish can obviously play in midfield. And your phone was a left wing. Honestly, we may as well... May as well put him in the director's box next. He can do everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got. He does provide that uh, versatility that is really needed at times like this. Yeah, I do sometimes think he, it's better when you push him into the midfield and he's just not expected. Yeah, and suddenly there's a bit of chaos introduced there. That sometimes have the best way to do it. I think um, as well, like, like we touched on before, because Redden have some sort of under twenty one type players that are yeah. used to dealing with academy-type footballers. John Mellish is not what they're used to dealing with as a midfielder. Yeah. No, that's true. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the injuries at the moment as well. Obviously, you mentioned Coyote hopefully back in about three to four weeks, Guy's out for nine months, and Huntington out for five weeks, and Charts five weeks. I mean, there's four players there that could potentially be starting for us, you know, that yeah. are not available. I mean, there's an argument back as well makes it five, and then, you know, Ellis would be a good player to have on the bench, you know, certainly ahead of the two youth team lads and, and a Blardy gives you an option off the bench. So we are missing some key players at the moment. It, it is a real challenge to get us through these these next few weeks. Um and when you look at the games coming up there, once you get this game out of the way and the Blackpool game out of the way, you've got to run a free games where you think we need to get some good points from those games to keep ourselves in touch, don't we? So yeah. there's a real challenge there. Um Right, uh, let's um, do some predictions then. Um, I'm just going to load up, because you sent me an update, Mike, didn't you, of what the, the yes. scores are. You were very pleased to send this over, because uh, finally, off the <laughs> mark. So yep. uh, for the season, I've gone top, because I predicted Sam Lavelle to score, so I'm on to um, eight points for the season. Dan didn't get anything right this weekend, so he's stuck on seven. Mike, you are now on two points. Because you yep. got a correct score at the weekend, yep. so well done for that. Uh, the guests this season so far haven't got any right, Adam. So you've got something to live up to here. So what are you going to go for? Uh, well, Redden's looking at the last sort of six results, even like the games they played. There was one of them. I did not play against some non. Oh, they didn't. I thought they played against some non-league side in the FA Cup. But they didn't play against MK Dons. Uh, but they concede quite a lot. Hmm. So we've. Garner back in the team, things like that. I I'm gonna go for a two 0 win to Carlisle. And who are you gonna go to score? Uh I'm ooh, uh just, I'm gonna go with Jordan Gibson mm-hmm. and I'm also I was gonna go with Moxon, but he's just he's out of form. He's not it's just he's not going for him at the moment, so I won't go with him. I will go with Sam Lavelle, back-to-back. Wow, back-to-back goals for Sam Lavelle. Mike, what are you going to go for? Uh, I'm going to go for a 2-1 win, and I'll go for John Mellish, and I'll go for Sean Maguire as well. Okay, I'm going to go for uh, 2-0 as well, uh, with Mellish and Garner to score the goals. Right, uh, here is Dan's prediction for the game. Reading won the first game in a good while at the weekend, which is a good sign for us because, as we all know, we're the team that uh, other teams usually break bad runs against. So, with that in mind, I'm going to go for a battling 2-1 win with goals from Joe Garner on his return and Owen Moxon's due to pop up with one. Well, the good results-wise, 
fairly similar, but a good mishmash of scores in there. So that, that's nice to see. Right, uh, X Files section to round things up. Um, not a huge amount to, to cover this week, but there's a few in there. Uh, I mean, I don't even know why I bother even telling you this this week. Uh, James Taverney has scored another penalty <laughs> for Rangers in their one-one draw Aberdeen. I wonder how, how high he's in the all-time penalties goal scorers now. I can't believe that stat. I still can't believe he's in the top 10 all-time penalty goal scorers. Mm. It's just mad. Uh, Jerry Yates, he got a goal first. Swansea City in their 2-2 draw with Hull City. Uh, that meant that 7-0 win for Bolton that we mentioned earlier. Jack Idell and Kyle Dempsey both scored in that one. I think it was Kyle's first game back after injury. And I think actually he's a little boy as well, was there, that he just had recently. So that was nice to see for him. Uh Cole Stockton, someone who's been linked with a move towards... I kind of hope we're going for a higher calibre player than, than him yeah, now. no thanks. Um, he scored an own goal for Burton in their 4-0 defeat at uh, Peterborough United. Uh, Angelo Balanta, he was on the score sheet for Boreham Wood in their 4-2 win over Woking. Olofelo Olamole, he's having a decent run at Bromley, isn't he? He's getting a few goals mm. for them. He scored in their 4-1 win at Hartlepool United. It must be depressing being a Hartlepool fan, wasn't it? What a pity. One of the lads I lived with last year was uh, a Hartlepool fan. And uh, yeah, he didn't often want to talk about football, especially with us being at <laughs> the top end of the league. God, I, I can't. It's just like only a couple of years after getting back in the league, getting relegated back out again, and then you're losing against the likes of Bromley. No disrespect to Bromley, but it just. It's a bit of a I don't think opener, probably fun to listen in. I think you're fine. Well, probably to... not. Maybe maybe Byron Webster still listens to us, or maybe not, because he didn't seem to enjoy his time with us. But. Um, Gavin Riley, uh, he scored for Queen and South in their 2-2 draw with Dundee United, which they won on penalties in the Scottish FA Cup. Or oh, was it Scottish Challenge Cup? One of the two, anyway. Um, and uh, Sean McGinty scored a goal for Air United in their 2-1 win at Peterhead. Uh, and a couple of other little bits of news. Owen oh, Winter, we mentioned him a few times recently, he has signed for Chester from Chippenham Town. A bit of a surprise. It seemed like he'd moved back home to Chippenham, but I suppose Chester, probably a bigger club than Chippenham, maybe, yeah. you would say. I think it's uh, a step up, really. And a a career uh, milestone hit by Nicky Adams. 750 career first-team appearances playing for Radcliffe this weekend. Um, it keeps going, doesn't he, Adam, really? It's quite a remarkable career, isn't he, that he's had in terms of the amount of games he's played? Yeah, it's just... I mean, seeing... I think Luke... Uh, does Luke Joyce play for Radcliffe as well? Yes, I can't he remember. Does. Yes, he does, right. yeah. But he, when I was at... Marine last year, obviously we played them twice, and I feel, I feel like they're absolutely smashing it this year in that league. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's just a quality player with a quality left foot. Yeah, quality right foot as well. To be fair, as well, isn't it? It's mad, isn't it? He's one of the most two-footed players I think I've seen play for us, and mm. constantly he's hit that seven hundred and fifty, despite the fact that he had a whole season out for us as well, pretty much as well with the bad knee injuries this year. Tells you what, what a good player he is, but there you go. Uh, right, well, that's it then, guys. Quite a long one, actually, again, there. But, you know, there's been plenty to cover in terms of the takeover. It's been a very exciting week to be a Carlisle fan. And I think the future's very bright, I think it's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, in terms of things going forward, I think there's a a lot to look forward to in the, in the coming weeks and months, would you say? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the one thing that I've, on that note, that I did like about the Piatics was the a lot of owners maybe come in and immediately talk about, you know, getting promotions and doing all yeah. that sort of stuff. They were firstly like, we're going to build the infrastructure, which obviously in their mind will lead to success. But also they're like, just temper your expectations, you know, let us see this out. We're here for the long term. Trust yeah. us, but which I mean, is what, a reassuring thing. 
Tom Sini did say that, didn't he? Say Calas should be a championship club. He's not saying we're definitely going to get there straight away. He said it should be, and I think he's right in that sense. We we should be challenging for a place at that level. There's nothing wrong with that. So mm. so there you go. Uh, thanks once again to our sponsors, London Bunch, for their support this season. Always massively appreciated. We'll be back later in the week to re- review the Reading game. I'm going to get Dan onto that one. He hasn't been on for a while, but obviously he's going down to the game because he's a nutter. Um, going down <laughs> on the train and then getting a lift back afterwards. He, he's put it this way he returned from his holidays in Tenerife and he was at the game on Saturday and he was wearing shorts the man the man's got a screw loose I'm telling you but there you <laughs> go um, yeah so we'll be back with that and obviously we'll we'll do a preview of the Blackpool game the following week so it's a bit nearer time but we'll try and maybe get a couple of those bite-sized episodes I keep promising people I'll do I'll try and see if I can fit a couple of those in over the next week because I'll just bide things over until the, the game because there's no game next weekend because they haven't moved the bounds again thank God because I'd made arrangements already to do something else on that day so yeah that, that that's good news in that sense uh, Adam thanks for joining me yeah, thanks for having us back. No problem at all. Good, good to have you on. And Mike, thanks for joining me as well. Yeah, cheers. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. And up the blues. Up the up blues. The blues. There we go. Wait, I was waiting for that. Keep that in, please. <laughs> keep, keep, that in. keep that in. I'll put that as a treat at the end for everyone. I was wait. I was waiting for that sneeze for about two minutes to come. Right.